Welcome to Sammy Joe's Podcast, the show that is all about gaining insights from top performers as they share what made their team successful and translate those ideas into your everyday lives and businesses. Here's your host, three-time Olympian, professional speaker, author, and entrepreneur, Sammy Joe Small. Welcome to episode six of Sammy Joe's Podcast, where I interview Olympic gold and silver medalist, Natalie Spooner. Perhaps one of the best known players on Canada's current national women's hockey team, she is a world champion, having participated in the championships seven times. Natalie has built her brand around fun, energy, and drive, and she is constantly making time to lend her name to worthwhile causes. Her message has resonated with countless fans to make her one of the most popular Olympic athletes in Canada. We talk about how she first got into hockey, her most memorable experiences, and what she brings not only to the ice, but to her team. Having been a teammate of Natalie's as well as her general manager, I saw firsthand her devotion to training, to her teammates, and to growing the game. She is an incredible ambassador for women's hockey. I hope you enjoy my interview with Natalie Spooner. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional Indigenous owners of country throughout Canada and pay my respect to them, their culture, and their elders, past, present, and future. Okay, so we first met in, I think, 2007, when you joined our Mississauga elite team heading over to the national championships. However, I really didn't get to know you until 2012 when you joined the Toronto Furies after you graduate, graduated from university. Instantly, I just, I knew you were someone I wanted to be around. Your passion for life and your desire to make the team better was just really what stood out for me. And I'm just so happy that you're able to make time to come on my show today. So thank you and welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited you got this show going and excited to see how it goes. All right, well, let's dive right in. Um, the first team that you were really ever a part of was your family. You're the fourth of four kids and the first girl. And I think there's some years between you and your siblings, right? Yeah, there's five. So there's five years between my first two brothers. And then there's only 18 months between me and my closest brother. Gotcha. Okay. So your parents, they weren't really hockey people, but um, they wanted their kids to be involved in sports. So I want to know what in their backgrounds gave them the sense that uh, both extracurriculars and sports were really important. And how did they support their little girl as she navigated the sports world? Yeah, so uh, so my dad, like my parents were from England and they moved to Canada when they got married. And my dad was actually a rugby player over in England. Um, I did not was, know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so really when cool. When he came to Canada, he was like, I am not putting my kids in any contact sports. Like he had dislocated <laughs> shoulders and he had like all these things go wrong. So he's like, okay, like, Another pretty big sport in Britain is soccer. So I'm, or football, they call it. So I'm yes. going to sign my kids up for soccer. So my oldest brother, Rick, got into soccer. Uh, and then all the kids in Canada who play soccer in the summer just happened to play win or hockey in the winter. So he wanted to continue playing with his friends. And so my parents said, okay, like, what do we get? And they always laugh because they went to Canadian Tire and literally like saw the mannequin of like the kid <laughs> yes. and just bought everything off the mannequin, but like didn't know that he needed like long johns or a jock. Right. All the other things, the extra things. All the other things that go along with the equipment. So he showed up like yeah. first practice with just that equipment. That's um, amazing. But eventually, you know, they figured it out by the time, by the time I came around, but 
yeah, to my dad, like it was always important to be involved in sports. And I mean, he has like some crazy stories about like the workouts that they would get them put through and working hard. So he never really thought that we were ever working too hard. It was always, we could work harder and you'd always see him in the stands at my games going, which mean like move my feet, speed up. Was he involved in really elite level rugby over there? Yeah, yeah he was. Wow. Like, he was like semi-professional. Or okay. Like yeah. Yeah. And then my mom being a teacher, obviously, um, we needed to be good in school too. And Did she play things. sports? Did she have any of that in her background? Not really. She wasn't really, um, I wouldn't say she, she, I think she started like, we call it jogging, but jogging at the age <laughs> of like, 40, 45. Good for her though. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now she jogs a bit, but no, she didn't really do many sports. And so it was really because of Rick that you guys all started to play hockey. Did they see it as, I mean, I guess they weren't really hockey people. So did they see it as strange that you wanted to play too, or they just supported whatever you wanted to do? Yeah, it wasn't really strange. Like, at least I didn't feel that it was strange because I was just doing, like, whatever my brothers did. And at the time, like, we just used all the hand-me-downs. Like, literally, the equipment have gone from, like, one brother to the next to the next and then to me. So I just had, you know, all their equipment. Like, I remember, like, my first few years and then, like, when I was five, I was with the girls' team and they wore black pants. But I had these, like, bright blue pants and they wore black helmets and I had a bright white helmet. So, like... I just was wearing that stuff and that was just like, I just was like, okay, this, I'm going to play. And to me, I didn't feel like an outcast because I just thought, oh, I'm playing with my brothers, you know? And so you're pretty fortunate. I read that you played one year boys, right? But then you joined the Durham West. Um, so it's, it was pretty common for girls to be playing around you. Did you have girls from your school that played too? No. So no one really in my school played. Um, I actually, it, this is the story. You're going to love this story because you know this person too. But um, so, okay. So I quit hockey after my first year playing with the boys. Because you, you hated it? I hated it. Like my parents said, I didn't like wearing my equipment. I just wanted to go to like power skating. Um, I guess I, I didn't, I don't know if I didn't like my coach. Or I just, I just didn't okay. like it. So my parents were like, well, let's continue skating lessons at least. So all the other kids would go in their hockey equipment and I would go in my snowsuit. So there's like all these boys in their hockey equipment and I would just go in my snowsuit and do the best that I could. And then one week, another girl showed up who was Jesse Vela. No way. Yeah. That's so Jesse Vela showed up at power skating and after so she so ended up next, playing with you can tell the listeners she ended up playing with us with the Toronto Furies amazing yes, person yes, yes. yes. yeah Jessie played with us in the Toronto Furies so the week after that I was like mom there was another girl there and she had her hockey equipment on like I want to wear my hockey equipment again and so then the next week I wore my hockey equipment and Jessie came up to me and she's like you play hockey and I was like yeah I play hockey <laughs> <laughs> and then after the power skating, her dad asked my dad if I wanted to, like, come and join their team in Durham West. So it was Jesse Bell that really saved my hockey career and got me into playing for Durham West. And, like, we played on the same team. Who knows? You would have gone on to play for the national soccer team. Did you end up playing soccer as well? I did. I played soccer until grade 10. I gave it up. I gave up band and, grade, and soccer, both in grade 10, um, just kind of to focus on hockey because at that point I knew like, I wanted to get a scholarship and I wanted to go away to school. Did your mom, because she was a teacher, always have a rule that you had to do well in school? My parents always had that. I could yeah. only go to practice if I did well in school. It was always the thing, homework, homework has to get done first and then you can go to practice. <laughs> I love that that's uh, what encouraged you to stay in hockey. Um, 
So let's change tracks a little bit. Obviously, your family was your first team, but you're a very accomplished uh, businesswoman as well. You have a mass following on social media, and you've done Battle of the Blades, Amazing Race Canada, amongst other exciting opportunities, and have lent your name to many important causes. And I want to know how you choose really what is congruent with your brand and what you lend your, your name to and how you make those decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely tough. I wish I could help everything that's out there and everyone, because I think everything, you know, has, has a special spot. But, you know, for me, some of the main ones I've supported, obviously, through Battle of the Blades, I was able to support Fast and Female, which, for me, being a female athlete and, you know, seeing young girls now that are playing and a lot of young girls that drop out of sport so early on, mm-hmm. I think that it's really important. Like, even, I mean, even I quit hockey. Like, and if it wasn't for, you know, another girl coming along and saying, I play, it's okay to play. Like, come back and play then I might have been that girl so I think that it's really important um you know to get girls just exposed to sports and you know maybe the first sport they play is not going to be the love of their life and like the sport they want to play they got to try lots so I think that that's something really cool that Fast and Female does it exposes girls to all different types of sports and all different athletes that play all these sports who are really amazing accomplished ladies um who can kind of show them just you know, some of the fun quirks about the sport and maybe they'll fall in love with it too. Um, another one I get to support is WaterAid Canada, um, which, you know, brings water to places that don't have access to clean water. So I got to go on a trip to India and see firsthand just how like devastating it is and how it's really a woman and children problem and how the women are really relied upon to go fetch water and they really can't have goals. They can't mm-hmm. have jobs. They, they are like, the ones who it's, just have to go it's get their water. whole life. It's their whole life, right? Their whole life. Cause they walk kilometers a day to go get um, this water. So that was something that was really, you know, I was touched by that. And um, I think whenever you can, you know, em- empower women and that's what like bringing clean water there, they then have the whole day, they set up like these little shops and they make things and they sell things. And you just see a whole different change in these women as soon as they do have clean water, um, you know, running to their villages. And then another one I like to work with is um, Holland Blueview Hospital and Capes for Kids, um, which is kids with disabilities. And I think, you know, that for me, like sometimes it's just going in there and seeing them playing sports and getting to play sports with them and just knowing that, you know, you brought a bit of light to their day because, you know, it, it can be tough. And even in going in there, sometimes it's like, wow, this is, you know, a real like we're facing this, like these kids are struggling and Holland Blueview does that. It brings like smiles to these kids' faces and makes life a little bit easier and, and helps them get through whatever they're going through and um, helps their families too. So I think that, um, you know, that's one that is really rewarding um, to work with and to know, you know, that these kids are, are having a little bit of an easier time. Um, well, I don't know if you know that uh, Billy spent 18 years at Holland Blueview. He, he spent the first two years basically of his life at Sick Kids Hospital um, undergoing so many different surgeries. But he really credits the people at Holland Blueview for introducing him to sport because to yeah. him, he, could just, he couldn't wait after each surgery um, to get back on the court and to be able to do stuff out there with the other kids and just to even see kids that were like him, you know? So then it, it wasn't about the disability, it was about you know, what video game you're playing or what are you doing? Or, you know, it's just being able to have those conversations. So I think that that's really important. I love it. That's so amazing. I think that, um, you know, those kids there probably really appreciate it. And they probably just really appreciate too, that you 
um, are there speaking on their level. You know, you're getting to know them as real people. And that's, I think, really key. And being around Billy for so long now, I, um, it's amazing what um, having that diversity of thought uh, can bring to a social setting and including people with disabilities and all the decisions that are made, um, I think is really a key for the future. So um, giving these kids the opportunities um, to find their voice and to find their passion, uh, I think is really important. So um, if you could kind of sum up what the Natalie Spooner brand is, have you ever thought about that? Like what really is how you want to represent yourself? Like what is, what is the brand yeah. you? I think for me, it's about like leaving a lasting impression and like, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a hockey player and um, I want to be the best hockey player that I can be every day. And I work really hard and I want to be known for that. But at the end of the day, it's like when I'm not a hockey player, what am, what am I going to leave behind and what have I, you know, helped move forward or given a voice to? Um, and I think for me, you know, it's a lot, it's to do with women, children, um, and making sure that like they have the voices cause they're the future. And I think, you know, obviously with sport, um, and us and the PWHPA and fighting for, you know, professional women's league, it is those, those girls that are playing sports that are going to be the future and hopefully, you know, have a professional women's sports team for every sport out there so that every girl can, you know, dream of playing. I love that your mantra is to leave a legacy. That's amazing. Um, are there areas of business that you'd like to pursue in the future? You know, I always say it's um, not necessarily what are you going to do when you grow up? Because obviously we are full grown adults, but in my life, it's sort of constantly changing and I'm sure it's the same for you. So I guess, what are you really interested in next? Like, what do you see for yourself beyond sort of the social media landscape? Oh boy, there's so many things I would love to do. <laughs> if yeah, what are some of them? Time. What are some exciting? I'm not going to hold you to anything. Don't, yeah. don't worry. But um, obviously, I've gotten my feet wet a little bit in sports broadcasting, which I've been enjoying a lot. So I would love to, you know, keep getting better at that, and um, hopefully, can make it a, a career one day. We'll see. I've also been super interested in like firefighting. Oh wow, was that through the CWHL? The connection um, there because a lot of the girls ended up taking the courses. We had to do like the fire fit challenge. Oh wow! Okay, amazing. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I need to like explore more on that and like learn more about it. Um. Obviously, we have lots of teammates who are firefighters. Luckily, mm -hmm. so I can pick their brains. Um. Other than that, like, I really like fashion or like interior design. Oh, cool. That's so awesome. Maybe like eventually getting into something like designing spaces. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of combines all your passions together yeah be designing the next great hockey rink or something oh that would be super cool that'd be cool or yeah, having I, a natalie spooner fashion line that i would want to do yeah fashion line that would be cool mm -hmm. oh my gosh i could just see you uh strutting your stuff in your in your new clothes that'd be amazing although if i was designing it i don't think i would be stretched strutting it. I have to model. <laughs> you yeah, can I mean, model your clothes don't worry model what's up you, you can be my first model. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll be right. You know what? Um, we were talking before this uh, broadcast about do, uh, Jane Roos. And when I first met Jane Roos, we used to do this thing called the Futures Female. And she had these, it was basically Olympic athletes combined with fashion. You would have loved it. Ooh. And it was presenting to girls in the age group of about 13 to 18 that drop out of sport. And so it showed these athletes from little tiny gymnasts up until, you know, myself, I, big athletes, big weightlifters, 
Um, and they would get some fashion clothing design designers to like give us clothes and we would do wow. like a full runway model. And then That's we would fun. give these speeches. It was really intriguing because it showed the power of the woman's body in all different shapes and sizes and that it can all be beautiful. It was really an amazing thing that she did. And that was before she started into the can fund that she has now mm -hmm. supported so many Olympic athletes, but um, that was really her first passion. So I could see you do some, doing something like that. Maybe you yeah, could, that would be really cool. Combine the two passions that you have. Like, like fancy clothing for athletes, for all body types. There you go. That would be incredible. Yeah. Uh, what are the lessons do you think that you learned in hockey that are going to serve you in future, um, the future business world or boardrooms or decision-making processes in the future? Oh boy. I mean, there's so many things that you learn in sport. I think like, first of all, just work ethic. Like I think to get to, you know, the level we're at, you have to, you know, make sure you're working hard every day and, and pushing yourself. And, you know, it's about getting outside of your comfort zone. And I think that that's something that, you know, Olympic athletes or high level athletes are really good is kind of finding that, that next level. Um, next being on a team, like I would say teamwork for sure. Um, everyone is different, but I think it's about, you know, appreciating everyone's differences and realizing that everyone's different. I mean, I might be a little bit more louder and upbeat <laughs> and there might be some people that are a little bit quieter, but that's, you know, that's how they get ready. And that's, um, you know, that's how they are. And I think that it's about, you know, appreciating and being able to work with all different types of people. Um, for sure, through this pandemic, I would say resiliency. I mm -hmm. think as an athlete, we've had to find so many different ways to train and to stay on top of our game. And it always hasn't been easy. So I say for sure coming out of this and you're going to have a lot of resilient athletes, but also I think when you get into the workplace, there's, you know, there's always things to overcome. So I think um, that would be another one for sure. I feel like I had another one, but I can't remember. I think when it comes to resiliency for the hockey player, I think that it's, you know, it's different for individual athletes because they've always been responsible for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what I really find during this pandemic is this, this is the first time that um, team athletes have had to be responsible for themselves and find that inner strength. I think that I've always been so jealous of uh, swimmers, track and field athletes. They just, they automatically innately have it. Whereas I find that we as team athletes tend to re rely on others for mm -hmm. some of our energy, you know? So sure, I'm sure yeah. that you have found it in the group setting. Exactly. And I'm sure that you found a lot of that during this time. Mm -hmm. I've had a, I've had a good training group, luckily a little bit. So, so that's been uh, a nice and refreshing than at first when we were really locked down and having to train on our own. Right. Which is not always easy. I find the same yeah. thing. I, you know, I'd rather chase a ball or chase something or have people that are there to enjoy the experience with me. And so at times it is hard to train on my own or find that own internal motivation. Um, so it's been a little bit of a challenge for me in these times to just go downstairs and hop on my bike, but I found a good show. So that's good. And Oh, there you go. Yeah, just find like Zoom friends. I know that you can do the same thing with. I know that Cassie has done some stuff on Peloton with a bunch of different people and it seems really motivating. It motivates me even though I'm not part of the group. It motivates me yeah. to go down and ride my bike. So this episode brought to you by the Sammy Joe Small Hockey School with locations in Winnipeg, Manitoba and Oakville, Ontario. Started in 1998, my philosophy is to teach in a safe, fun environment with a very individualized focus. I try to attract some of the top hockey players and coaches in order that you learn and be motivated from both Olympians and world champions to university players and great coaches and great people. 
We want you to work hard, have a great time, leave with new friends, and say, that was the most fun I've ever had at hockey school. Okay, so after the um, after the 2014 Olympics in Sochi and winning gold in just an incredible fashion, dramatic fashion, that was probably one of my favorite games of all time in any sport to watch. Um, many of your teammates chose to be done with hockey for the season, and I get it. I mean, it's a long season. Um, it was grueling, obviously, and it was taxing what you guys went through, both physically and emotionally. But you chose to come back and compete in the CWHL with the Toronto Furies, leading us to a Clarkson Cup championship. And I want to know why you decided to come back to our team and what made that team so special in your mind. Yeah, so for me, I always like knew I wanted to come back, but I, at the same time, I didn't want to come back and like take someone's spot who had been playing the whole year. So I was really on the fence actually for a while. And it wasn't until I actually talked to the girls, you know, like it was after, right after the numbers, I talked to the girls and I was like, what should be the decision? Like, I want to hear from you guys because I don't want to be coming in and you guys either not wanting me there because I'm just coming in and taking someone's spot. Um, and Tessa right away said, no, like the team wants you back, come back, play for us. I said, okay, I'm, I'm in. And I mean, that was such a special team. We, we came into the tournament, like ranked last place. Um, <laughs> but I think we had so much fun and every game, every game you go in as an underdog, it, you got an extra chip on your shoulder. So I think we just were like, we have nothing to lose out here. Let's leave it all out there. Like people may be expecting it, like not the same team that's going to show up, you know? So I think every game we surprised teams and I mean, some of them in shootouts over time, we found ways to win. And I thought that, I mean, it was so much fun. So what do you think that the girls within that dressing room did to make you feel welcome and make you feel like you, uh, you know, wanted to play your best? Yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like, you know, when you have like those friends that you like don't talk to for a while and then all of a sudden you're just like always friends, you're just always there right. and you can just talk to them whenever. It kind of felt like that. Like it kind of had felt like I had been there the whole season when really I hadn't. Right. I had been gone, but I stepped right in and it felt like I belonged, right? Like I was, I had never left. Obviously I knew all of them because I had played with them in the, like the year before, but um, it can definitely be a little bit scary, like coming back when everyone, um, you know, had already been playing the whole season, but no, they just welcomed me back and, um, you know, kind of just was like, we need you here. Like do, do your thing and we'll do our thing and let's make it work. That sense of feeling like you are needed probably too. I feel like I, you know, I watched you play at the Olympic Games for sure. And you played amazing. But when you stepped on that ice for the Clarkson Cup, you were so dominant compared to everybody else. And I just felt like, I don't know if there's a team that elevated you to those levels or you just felt like you're on this high coming back from Sochi. Um, but I saw you play some of your best hockey you've ever played. I don't know how yeah, you I felt. Think I, I think I like the pressure of, feeling like I need to go like I know like you should always feel like that you need to go out and make a difference but I like having that that little bit of pressure on my shoulder being like you need to be the one you know right you had that you had the team on your shoulders essentially yeah yeah I guess and it was a well, construct that allowed you well I mean it was a construct that allowed you to feel like that was okay as well you know like you didn't feel like you were coming in and um usurping the leadership that was already in place. I felt like the leadership that we had on that team with Brittany Smith, um, with Tessa Bonham, mm -hmm. uh, who else was our assistant captain? Do you remember? Um, but just some, 
maybe Lexi, yeah, Lexi Hoffmeyer and Corey Chevery, maybe. I think yeah, maybe. we like alternated. Um, then Kohanchuk was who I played with when I came back, but I think she was still young then. Yeah, she had just been released from the Olympic team. So she only came to us right before um, Christmas. So um, she also was relatively new, um, but I mean, was obviously dominant on the ice. Yes. So many good players on that team. And you know what, uh, what I really think about that team was that there's just so many nice people on that team that weren't concerned about being in the limelight, uh, being the one that scored or the one that sat and cheered. Everybody was just really supportive during those times. And um, yeah, I feel like that was just a really special team to be a part of. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you when you think back to your Team Canada career, and I know it's still going on, so I don't want to assume that, um, you know, there's this la- legacy that you have left uh, that you continue to leave. Um, but what was maybe the most special team that you were a part of? And maybe you'll say the 2014 Sochi Olympic team. Um, but you know, the worlds don't often get as much accolade. So was there a particular team that you felt like, you know, you guys just could do no wrong? Okay. For sure. Two, two teams, obviously first the 2014 Sochi Olympics, um, that year we had been through so much adversity and, you know, winning the way we did and coming together at the right time. Like it was great timing for our team to come together right before the Olympics, um, it just felt so special then to know everything we had been through and to win it the way we did and to look around at the team and know, you know, how much we all wanted it, but it hadn't been going smooth up until, you know, that Olympic time. That would probably be one of my top two. And then the other one would be my under 18 world championships because it was my first ever world championships, but also everyone else's first ever world championships because it was right. the first year ever there was an under 18 world championship. So getting to like put on that jersey at the exact same time as all the other girls and looking around and we were just so excited and just like just so happy to be there. Um, I remember that being a really special moment. Like obviously we had an amazing team. We we lost to the US in, in the finals, but that that moment of still getting to like represent your country for the first time with everyone else who's doing it for the first time was was something really special. And having that shared moment together. Mm-hmm. Who was who were some of the girls that were on that team that went on to play with, for the national team? Um, Mary Philippe Poulain, uh, Brienne Jenner, Laurieann Rougeau, um, Tara Watchhorn. Uh, who else? We had like Amanda Mazota, uh, Chelsea. Where Carpenter. where was that championships? In Calgary. Yeah. Also oh, is in Canada as well, getting to wear that jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Father David Bauer Arena. That's pretty special. I mean, the that first moment of putting on that jersey but let alone getting it to do it with so many of your friends Mm -hmm. and I think when you're going through a championship like that you become so close so quickly right it's different than a centralized year for sure I mean first of all like getting to meet those girls and we had like a series before um so we got to like hang out but then I think it just like bonds you because now we're the you know we're this crew that came in all together and we got to wear this jersey and, and play in this this um, championship and kind of move up the ranks together too. It probably served you well leading into the Sochi Olympics. Probably the reason why you guys were able to stay together despite the challenging circumstances, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in conversations with you about that Sochi year, it was really hard and it was really tough um, versus the Pyeongchang year, which you felt more on top of your game, uh, for lack of a better word. Maybe that's the wrong word. Um, 
But, you know, how how do you think that that challenge and that struggle in the end um, gave you guys this amazing victory versus perhaps the other way? Yeah. So what I always say, like for for the Sochi Olympics, everything was so hard leading up to it that by the time you get to the Olympics, the Olympics felt easy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they had challenged us so much. They had pushed us so hard pretty much to our breaking point. Like we had players that were pretty injured at, at times and luckily we pulled it together at the end. But um, yeah, by the time we got to the Olympics, like we had been in tough games. We had come back against the U.S. in tough games before. We had been through a lot of the same scenarios that already happened at the Olympics. So we were prepared for them and knew we could overcome them. Whereas, yeah, Pyeongchang was a much smooth sailing. We were winning games. Everything was great. And then you get to the Olympics and you get in a hard scenario where maybe your team is not as prepared for, you know, those tough games that you haven't really, I mean, you tough, face tough games, but not the same kind of toughness as we did in, in, in 2014. Do you think 10 years from now, which scenario do you think you'll have preferred? The 2014 one, for sure. Yeah, with all the struggle. I, still, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because we won. You, if we yeah. would have won 2018, it could be different, but... Like they say that say, it was different. Say you got a silver in both. I don't know. I mean, I would take the hard days, you know, those dog days for six months to win a gold medal any day. Mm -hmm. Right. It, I mean, yeah, I think, I still think 2014, you, you going through these hard things together, you also come together, right. As a, as a team more, sure. and you're, you're there for one another. Um, you know, in 2002, we sort of went through the same things that you guys went through in leading up to Sochi, losing all our games, and then we ended up winning, uh, which really made it special because you had all these challenges. Um, in 20, 2006, I think we had maybe what was the most dominant Canadian team, um, and then going on to play Sweden in the final, just kind of steamrolling over the competition. And, you know, while that was still really special for those of us going through it, not many people remember the Torino Olympics, you know, so nobody really talks to me about those Olympics. Yeah. And so had you won in Pyeongchang and it was just easy. And even, you know, I think about the, the Vancouver team where they, they won two nothing and it was, you know, it wasn't an easy game, but it wasn't the comeback you guys had. And I'm sure that regardless, people will be talking about you to you about that game for generations, which must be just be so special to relive it so many times. Yeah, I mean, I think people, I think it really put women's hockey to at a different point because it wasn't as just seen as like a great hockey game. Like people were like, this is one of the best hockey games I've ever seen. That was the best sporting moment I think yeah. I've ever seen. It like, wasn't just about male, female, yeah. men's, women's. It was, it really was about sport and just that incredible moment. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, when I came back to Canada, everyone remembered exactly where they were whether they were on vacation watching it somewhere in a hospital watching it wherever they were like they remembered exactly where they were when they had to like pause life and watch the game I was watching it at the can fund uh doing an event with Jane Roos uh hosting uh what was to be my adult women's rec team the honey badgers which is Carrie McLean, uh, Ron McLean's wife mm -hmm. um and they were there and I just remember you know I didn't know them that well but when you guys won, just hugging them and just celebrating with them. And 
I'm sure you get stories like this all the time, but it was just, I felt like we were right on the ice with you guys, willing you guys to win. So thank you for letting us share in that moment with you. Um, not many people could really excel uh, playing alongside Haley Wickenheiser. Um, it is not an easy thing to do. And, um, you know, playing with Haley, the, the pressure is high. She is so intense. Uh, she expects so much of her teammates. And that's what made has made her so great over the years. But why do you think, because um, you played with her in Sochi, right? So yeah. why do you think that you um, did so well in that role and really were perfect for that role? You know what? I think at first I was definitely really nervous. <laughs> but I think the good thing was that she could tell. She could tell that I was nervous and I didn't really know. Like, I got along with her great. Like, Augusta, I played with Augusta too, and me and Augusta got along great. Um, me and Augusta were a little bit more lighthearted and Rick gets <laughs> a little bit more serious. So we could kind of, you know, crack a joke here and there and keep her light. But Wick really took me under her wing that Olympics, which was really nice. And she could tell that I was nervous. And I remember one game where um, I was so nervous and she looked at me and she just said, Spooner, play your game. Don't worry what anyone else thinks. And to me, that was, I think, like my turning point. Like knowing that like this player that I've looked up to that is an amazing player thinks that I'm good and like thinks that my hockey game is good enough, like that I, you know, don't need to like go out and change anything too much. Like just make sure I'm playing my game um meant a lot to me and I think like that I still have to say that back to myself all the time now like just go out play your game don't worry about else thinks like there's moments all there's always moments where you doubt yourself where your confidence is low and so um I just remember her saying that to me and I think that it really clicked like okay like she's gonna be okay if I make a mistake mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not gonna be the end of the world if I make a bad pass to her or you know like sure she may give a grunt or something but like it's at the end of the day, like she's a nice person and she cares about me. That's the um, thing with Haley is that she really does care. And yeah. she, um, if Haley thinks you're good, you're good. There is, there is only black and white with Haley. And so that must've meant so much just to know that she felt like you're, you're a good enough player to play alongside her. Um, playing with Gus, I, I can't, with Megan Augusta must've been um, amazing. She's uh, to me, one of the all time, uh, most naturally skilled players that I have ever seen in the game. And she just makes it look effortless, doesn't she? I always say, like, Megan Augusta floats across the ice. Mm -hmm. like, you would never know how fast she's skating because it doesn't look like she's skating fast, but yet she's skating really fast. I know um, she always got yelled at in uh, leading up to Torino as a 17-year-old. She's like, the coaches be, Megan, you got to try, you got to try. And then she'd be the first in a drill to, to finish something. It's like, she didn't even look like she was breaking a sweat ever. Yeah, she just floats. And then, I mean, also just a natural goal scorer. Like, if we could get her the puck in the slot, like, she can find the net, which was amazing. I mean, she's scored how many goals in her career? So, um, just, I mean, she is now a cop and had a baby, and she can still play the game. So, I think it just, you know, it just speaks to how just naturally, like, this sport was meant for her. And how just naturally gifted she is at whatever she um, she tries. I mean, she makes motherhood look easy. She makes looking being a cop look look easy. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that just is her demeanor, but um, she just has this way of making you feel like you can be along for the ride with her. And um, she just kind of makes things fun, which I always appreciated yeah. about her. Yeah, yeah, um, we have a lot of fun on our line. 
What are, who are some other individuals? Um, could be with Team Canada, could have been at the Ohio State, it could have been growing up, but who are some individuals that you just really loved playing with, that you just really clicked with? Ooh. Tough one. There's been, I've had like a lot of different line mates for sure. Like now, I mean, I've got to play with Brienne Jenner, like amazing player. Um, I've got to play with Sarah Nurse, like super fun to play with too. Um, but back in the day, man. Like, I got to play with Corey Chevry. Like, um, she was a lot of fun to play with. I feel like she had a great energy, and, like, we got along so well. Like, I remember scoring a goal off her forehead. Like, she would just <laughs> go to the net and just <laughs> one time went up and hit her in the head and went in. Um, she definitely so, was willing to do anything. Yeah, like, we sure. had good laughs um, there. Do, and you then, think, do you think you respond better to people um, that are able to have a good time like you, or do you think you need somebody – alongside you more like a Haley that's you know more serious and intense you know what as much as Haley was like serious and intense she also liked to like enjoy mm -hmm. I think she also could let loose so I think it's like that balance because there's sometimes where obviously I'm going to be in the zone too and I'm going to be but I think it's about having like that balance of like okay like you're a human and you're not just a robot yes <laughs> um out there and you're not you know so I think if, I don't know, like if someone was serious all the time, like, and I never saw them let loose, I would probably be a little bit worried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if we, I don't know if we'd get along so well on the ice too. <laughs> you might not have the best chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what types of individuals do you think that you play best alongside? Like what, uh, like hockey wise, um, do you need somebody that can stand in front of the net and just allow you to be creative? Do you need somebody that can um, get you the puck? What do you think you need in, in line mates? Oh, good question. I mean, I think like my game, I mean, now it's, it's I'm in front of the net most of the time. So um, now I think I would say I would love to play with someone that can just score and I would just give them the puck. But I think there's, it's kind of evolved over time, right? Like I love to have the puck on my stick too. And I love to score goals. So, I mean, I think that there's not really one right or wrong answer. I think I can play with lots of different types of players. Um, obviously players that are like, that like to talk and, you know, we can chat about things. I think it, it makes it a little bit easier um, to figure out, you know, each other's tendencies and stuff, but I don't think there's like one type of player in particular that like, I'd be like, that's the type of player I want to play with. Like, I love fast players. because If they're just busting out the zone as a winger, I could just give them the puck. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think I can kind of like adapt to. You seem to be able to be very amenable, which means very adaptable to situations. And I even think back to your time on the amazing race with Megan Mickelson. And I would have said that she was more of a serious hockey player. Um, while she likes to have fun, um, she certainly is um, sort of the A to B type person, whereas I feel like you're kind of more creative, um, more, uh, laissez-faire is the wrong word, but uh, you like to ensure that everybody else around you is having a really good time too. And it was really noticeable that you guys really clicked well together mm -hmm. coming from two different ends of the spectrum. Can you talk a little bit about her personality, personality and why you guys, why you think you click so well? Yeah. Oh man, that's a tough one. I mean, I think, yeah, we're definitely like quite different personalities, but at the same time, I think the the great thing about sport is like when you have the same goal, like you guys are kind of willing to do anything. And, and on that race, like 
we were good friends at that point. Like we didn't, I wouldn't say like we were great friends going into the race, but we became great friends through it because of everything we had to go through. And then you just kind of get used to each other's tendencies. And we definitely, I mean, people who watched it know we had our little bickers about dancing and about the way we learned to dance, about the way we, you know. And I think, like, for me, it was even a, a growing moment being like, wow, like, she really learns differently than I do. Like, like I don't know. I never had to learn a dance with someone before, or, like, learn, you know. I, I just figured, like, okay, just do it. Just get it done. Like, you know, don't think too much about it. But um, to her, it was, like, totally different. So I think, like, we were both kind of able to, like, grow through the experience and, like, figure out what what works for each other and what doesn't. Uh, and I think that that's why, like, we made such a great team and, and I came out of it better friends because, like, yeah, we may have, like, a bicker, but, like, two hours later, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, like what 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 were we, like, fighting about? Like, like dancing. Like, right. Like, none of us are good dancers anyways, so... Yeah. It's like a good friendship where you can um, fight hard and love hard and you just have this ultimate respect for the other person. Mm -hmm. um, that was definitely noticeable that you guys were, you had this just respect. And I guess to end off this podcast, I want to know what you think are some of the most important components of a great team. What do you think really makes a great team? And, you know, you can maybe look back to some great teams that you're a part of, um, but really what... How would that translate to from sport to business? And what can people do to ensure that they have successful teams as well? So like the one thing I always say like about being a great teammate is like someone that cares. Because I think all in all, like being a part of a team, you want to know that like you belong, but that your teammates care about you. Because if you know that they care about you, it's not like they're going out to do anything you know, in, in spite of you, right? Like you're, you want to go out there and do the best you can for them. And you want them to go out there and do the best they can for you. So I think for me, it's, it's like, obviously honesty, hard work. You want, you want your team to be hardworking. And I think that that's watching your teammates work hard. Like it gains a lot of respect. And I think like, we talk about that Megan Mickelson, like I know how intense she is, but she was on and I had so much respect for her because she got us through that race pretty quick. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like when you look at your teammates, you want to know that they're working their butts off just as hard as you are working your butt off. And also that like they care about you at the end of the day and that, you know, whatever is whatever is said on the ice or whatever you have to overcome, like once you're off the ice, you're you're great friends again. I think that's that's a really great way to end it, because ultimately, I think that you know, when it comes down to team, it comes down to respect. And the things that I remember the most about the teams that I played for, and I don't know about you, but are the people and the friendships along the way that I made. And, you know, we're all, we're not necessarily cut from the same cloth, but these people that I would have never got a chance to have in my life that I have in my life. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you uh, for being in my life and for being such an amazing teammate to me at all times and for taking us to great heights, but also having lots of fun along the way. Yes. Well, I'm grateful for you as a teammate and I'm excited to listen to more of your podcast and it was amazing. You're doing so great. Oh, so well, thank you. Thank you so much and good luck with everything. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sammy Joe's podcast. If you have suggestions for guests in the future, would like to book her for your next event, advertise on this podcast or to purchase her latest book the role i played please go to www.sammyjoesmall.ca